I'm Katie, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you and your family are here, and we would love to get connected with you. One easy way you can do that is text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website, therivertrch.cc, to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So uh, I have personally been loving this series that we've been in, uh, going through the book of Ruth. I've said this before, I love stories, and I love the stories of the Old Testament, because many people may look at the stories of the Old Testament and be like, oh, you know, like, why are those important for my life, right? Why why is the story or, or a situation that is happening thousands and thousands of years ago, like, how does that have any application to who I am and how I live today, right? They were going through very different things. They had very different situations in their lives. How am I in any way going to get anything out of a story that is in the Old Testament. And when I look at stories of the Old Testament, I look and I see truly they have incredible value. And I think there are two main reasons. And I said this last week. First of all, it's to see the history of God's people, right? We are God's people. We have been brought into God's family through the, through salvation and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the Old Testament, we see God's plan working out throughout the lives of individuals and the, and the, the nation of Israel uh, and through God's people. And so we see even our, our glimpses of our own history and the way in which God has redeemed us through the stories of others and, and, and through the stories of the Old Testament. But the second thing is we can pull, we can glean truths from these Old Testament stories. And we can see ways in which people responded and how they lived and how that should change or impact maybe the way that we live today. And so specifically, this month, as it's being family month, we're going to be looking at how this relates to our families and how the story of Ruth relates to our families. And, and what the story of Ruth is, what it shows, it shows God's sovereignty or God's control, God's plan to redeem a family and ultimately the nation of Israel through a love story, an incredible love story. And this morning we're going to take a look at really the, the, the in-depth meat of that love story and what happens that leads to the true redemption of this family and how that is a small picture of the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. But before we do that, let's pray together if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we can look to the stories recorded in the Old Testament and that they provide us with a glimpse into the past and the glimpse into the lives of godly individuals. And we, we thank you that we can see their lives and we can understand the truth in which they lived and the truths that they lived by. And Lord, I pray that we would apply those to our own lives this morning. Lord, we love you. You're precious in holy name, Jesus' name. Amen. And so 
One of the things, uh, as, I've, as I've told you, is this, this is truthfully a story. One of the things I found interesting is this week as I was reading a little bit more about the authorship or who wrote the book of Ruth, I, I was kind of thinking back on what that record may look like. And if you didn't know, Ruth is actually written by Samuel. And if you don't know who Samuel is, he was the prophet uh, of the Lord. Specifically, he was in charge. He was the one who anointed King David. And we've talked about a couple times, King David was of the lineage of Ruth and Boaz, who is what what the story of Ruth is about. And so probably what happened is Samuel heard the story of Ruth through either David or David's father, Jesse, as he was recalling it almost as like a family love story, right? And so, so Samuel is sitting down and he's, he's hearing this story, this beautiful story of Ruth and Boaz from the family which it belonged to. And he says, wow, look at the way that the Lord showed up in this family's life. And so if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, I'm going to give you a quick recap. Basically what happened was Ruth uh, was married to Naomi. Her mother-in-law uh, was married to her, her, uh, her mother-in-law's daughter. Uh, wow. Get it together, Justin. This is, a little, this is a lot of lines in your head, right? So Naomi, right, is the mother. She has a husband. They have two sons. Those sons were married to Moabite women. Ruth was one of those women. All the men in the family die, right? A huge tragedy. Their family is in shambles. Uh, and uh, Ruth's sister-in-law leaves. And Naomi goes to Ruth, tells her to leave too. She says, go, get married to someone else, redo, right? Get a redo. Uh, and, and Ruth says, no. She says, no, I am going to stay with you. And in fact, I will go where you go. And Naomi, being an Israelite, decides that she's going to go back to her home country and basically tough it out, figure out how to live without a husband, without any sons, without any grandchildren. And now Ruth says, I will go with you, right? And there's this incredible loyalty that Ruth has to her mother-in-law because there is a vast unknown that, it, that comes with going back to Israel, right? They don't know where they're going to stay. They don't know how they're going to uh, have food. They don't know how they're going to make it. Yet she stays loyal to her mother-in-law. And then when they get back to Israel, uh, Naomi says, hey, I, I know a guy, right? I said that line last, uh, last week. I know a guy. His name is Boaz. He's part of my family. He's related. Uh, and, and you should go and glean in his fields. Basically, go behind the workers and pick up whatever is left. And Ruth goes and serves faithfully, works hard to provide for her mother-in-law. And Boaz, this man who owns the field in which she's gleaning, notices her. Notices this young Moabite woman who's from not, not from Israel and is out there and gleaning, and this is very odd, and it stands out, and so he hears a little bit about her story, and her loyalty, and her her desire to work and serve her mother-in-law, and he, he looks at that, and he sees great honor there, and he takes notice, 
And so he tells her, he goes to her, and he has this conversation where he says, hey, don't go to any other fields. Actually, stay in my field where you can be protective, protected, where you're safe. He goes to his workers. He says, actually, make sure that she gets the very first of the gleanings, that she gets the most of anyone. Take care of her because she is taking care of someone else. And so this is kind of where we pick up, what's right after this conversation. What happens is, uh, Ruth goes back home, and she goes back home, and now after gleaning in the fields and kind of getting those first fruits and having that conversation with Boaz, she comes home with like way more than Naomi expected. And so Naomi has some questions. She's like, hey, how did you get all that barley? That was what was in the fields. How did you get all that barley? And that's kind of where we're going to pick up in Ruth chapter 2. And so turn with me to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to be throughout the book of Ruth in chapter 2, 3, and 4 this morning. So uh, keep your finger there or your bookmark or whatever uh, because we're going to be reading through progressively the story. But in verse 19 of chapter 2, we pick up in this conversation where Naomi is surprised at Ruth's return with all this barley. And it says this, And her mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And so, one of the things I find very interesting is Naomi asks her, Whose field did you get all this from? And I look back and I'm like, Naomi, you were the one that told her to go to Boaz's field. Like, how, why are you asking the question of where she went? Obviously, she went to Boaz's field, but I think she's even more surprised that this man of high repute took notice of her. And immediately, something starts to click in Naomi's head. She's like, hold on, hold on. There is something different. Clearly, you made an impression on him. Clearly, you stood out because this would not just happen to the normal person. And she said, she, she starts to think, hey, this could turn into something more than just kindness. It could blossom into love. And what that would mean would be redemption for their family. And one of the things you see here is in this last line of verse 20, it says, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now, to understand what a redeemer is, you kind of have to understand the way that Israelite culture worked. And so we've talked about a couple different things of Israelite culture, but specifically what a redeemer was, was it was a kinsman or someone who was kin, someone who was family, and the family members would have the first right to the inheritance of a family who had lost maybe their heirs or their children or their land. And so what happened was when Naomi left with her husband and married her sons to Moabite women, and then all the men had passed away without producing heirs, there was no one to kind of claim 
over the widows of the family. And so there was people who were designed to take care of the widows and to make sure that they were provided for. And so in Israelite culture, there was this idea of a redeemer, of a kinsman who would come and they would step in. And then what they would do is they would redeem the family. And they would redeem the family by taking them into their own. So they would acquire any land they had. They would help any children that were orphaned. And they would help any of the women who were widowed to either be provided for, in the case of Naomi, who was past the age of marriage, or in the case of Ruth, help her to be married, right? She was young and she had the ability to be married and to produce children. And so the role would either be, hey, you would marry Ruth or you would help, so, help someone in your family to marry Ruth, specifically because she was married into the family and not the family. And so there's this idea of a redeemer. And so when Naomi saw this, she said, clearly this man has taken some interest in you and he's in the lineage of our family. And so he has the ability to redeem us, to take the rights in our family and to help take care of us. And so she says, we need to jump on this opportunity. And Naomi encourages Ruth to go and to seek out Boaz and to make him aware that she was willing to be redeemed or to be married. And so what Naomi says is, hey, Boaz, I heard, I heard that he's going to have like a party tonight in his barn. They're going to eat. He's going to spend time there. You should go there and try and get a meeting alone with him and let him know that he is one of our redeemers and that you would like to be married to him. Because clearly he has some interest in you, but I don't think that he's kind of put it all together yet. And so Ruth says, all right, sounds good. I will take care of it. And so what happens is uh, everyone kind of goes and parties. And what happens is Boaz then falls asleep in the barn. Ruth shows up, sees that he's asleep, and realizes, hey, I'm probably not going to get a great answer if I wake this guy up, right? He's going to be a little tired, angry, right? And so I am going to wait for him to wake up. And so she sleeps at his feet, right, to not show any promiscuity or to not uh, have anyone see the two of them laying side by side and assume that something has happened. So she lays at his feet to try and honor him and try and show respect. And that's where we're going to actually pick up in Ruth chapter 3, starting in verse 8. It says this, At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And I love that there's like an exclamation point there if you're reading, because it's like, it, it almost gives emphasis. Like, he was like, what the heck is going on? Like, where did this woman come from? She's laying at my feet. I, I thought I was alone in this barn. That's why I was sleeping here. What's going on? And he wakes up, and in ver verse 9, he says this, who are you? And I like that as well, because uh, there wasn't like lights right? Like we think of today, there's like always some sort of light. You like shine your, your phone light or, you know, like you, you flip on the lights. Like it was pitch black in the dark. 
in the middle of a barn. He had no way of seeing her. So he's like, whoa, there really is like a random woman laying at my feet. And so he, his first response would not be like us to shine a light and be like, what the heck's going on? For him, he literally is at the mercy of figuring out who she is from her. So he says, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, this is a very interesting section because from Boaz's perspective, right, she is young. Boaz was clearly much older, right? He had acquired land. He had acquired servants. And so he looks in and he says, man, there's this woman who is obviously of incredible character, and young, she could have any man, she could be pursuing any man, man that she wants, and yet she comes to me. And she actually comes to him and says, please redeem us. Or she's really offering marriage. She's saying, please marry me. Verse 10 says this, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after younger men whether poor or rich and now my daughter do not fear i will do for you all that you asked for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman and now it is true that i am your that i am your redeemer or i am a redeemer and so here he emphasizes clearly her worth right he says everyone has seen the way in which you have proven yourself to be someone who is loyal to be someone who earnestly follows the lord right she left her hometown followed naomi and came to a foreign land to serve her and to serve the lord Clearly, she is a hard worker. She is diligent. She is one who serves. She is one who is kind. She is one who counts others more significant than herself. She is this fantastic, incredible woman of character. And then she is an incredible woman of character because not, she does not go and seek after these other things. She seeks after a wise and honorable man, right? One who looked out for her and provided for her and cared for her without any expectation, right? Clearly, Boaz was, this was not what Boaz expected, yet he was taking care of her regardless, and she noticed that. And he says, all right. He says, I'm actually honored that you would find me worthy, It's this incredible moment between the two of them. And he says, I would love to marry you. I would love to bring you into my household and to redeem you. But the thing is, there is a problem. Continuing in the second part of verse 12, he says, And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. He says, there's a problem. He says, there is someone in the lineage who comes before me. They have kind of the first right to redeem you, and then I am after them. He says, so we're kind of at a bit of a problem. Now, some of you may look and you say, hold on, hold on. Why would they not just run away together? 
right? Why wouldn't they just like go and figure it out? Like if this was a true love story, they would just like, they, they would overcome. They would, they would run away. It would be like that perfect rom-com where, where they just ignore everything else. They ignore their families. They ignore what everyone says and they just do it anyway. Or when you look and say, well, why would this even matter, right? Why would it matter that a redeemer came before him? Because clearly the redeemer didn't have any interest in them before, right? She's been gleaning in the fields. She's been away. She's been trying to take care of her mother-in-law. They haven't tried to redeem them at all yet. So why is this a problem now? Like if they wanted the things that came along with redeeming, why didn't they do that beforehand? But Boaz looks and he says, no, no, no. This has to be done a certain way. Verse 13, remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. You see, he looks and he says, this has to be done the right way. He says, Look at the whole story. Look at the story of your life. The Lord has provided and taken care of you every step of the way. He's brought you here. He brought you to my attention. He's done all these different things. We have to trust him and abide by the way in which he has said these things work, even when it's inconvenient for us. And so what he says is, he says, all right, tomorrow morning we're going to take care of this. We're going to go see if they want to redeem you. And if they want to redeem you, great. He says, then that is clearly the Lord's plan, and the Lord has taken care of you every step of the way, so we will continue to go according to his plan. But if not, then I will redeem you. Then that is clearly the Lord's plan. But he said, this has to be done the right way. And the reason why he says that is because, one, Boaz is an incredible man of God, right? From up until this point, we've seen Ruth's unfailing character over and over and over again and you look and you're like is Boaz like really worth it right like is he really worth Ruth we've seen how she's this fantastic woman and she's just stayed devoted over and over and over again is Boaz really worth it and you get a glimpse in his response to her right when she's working in the field but here you see it all the more because really what he desires to do is he says Ruth is an incredible woman of honor, so I will honor her in the way that she is redeemed. She has honored the Lord in every way that she has lived, so I will honor the Lord now, even though it's inconvenient, even though it's not what I want, even though it's a hassle and it's going to cost something. He shows his incredible integrity here. And he continues to act with integrity. And this continues into Ruth chapter 4. Because what we see is, it's not just a simple, hey, you going to redeem her? No? Great, I'm going to take care of that. There's a cost to it. Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse 7, says this. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. 
Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnessing this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malhon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malhon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, the na- that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the mo- Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthy in Epiphrath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you this young woman. Right? So there's this moment where he has to go out in front of all the people and buy the rights to their family. By the right, sacrifice to have the right to redeem this family. It cost him something. He pays the price to redeem Naomi and Ruth. He does what it takes to complete the love that he has for Ruth with honor and integrity. And he sacrifices for what others overlooked. Because he loved her. Right? He goes out of his way to make this big show of things to pay when clearly this other redeemer had overlooked them. Clearly, there wasn't much worth to be seen here. But he says, No, I see worth and I will pay. I will go the distance. I will do what it takes to honor her because there is clearly something here worth sacrificing for. He sacrifices for what others overlooked because of his love for Ruth. I love this story. I love this story because really it is a glimpse of the gospel And the crazy, incredible thing is that the gospel comes from this very story, from this lineage, right? From the the line of Boaz and Ruth leads to David, right? I already talked about that. And from the line of David leads to Jesus. Like Naomi and, and Ruth, we were left in need of a Redeemer, Because of our sin, because of what we had done wrong, we had a debt that was in need of redemption. We were in need of a redeemer because we were lost. Because we had been separated from God because there was death in our family from our sin. And I love the way that Paul talks about this, he emphasizes this in Ephesians chapter 1, if you'd turn there with me. In Ephesians chapter 1, he really kicks off this letter to the church at Ephesus, and he talks about why 
the truth, the salvation that they have is so incredibly important. He says, it is so incredibly important that you understand where this all came from. And right off the bat, he jumps into the story of the gospel. He says this, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He says, you were in need of redemption. And you've been redeemed through someone who saw you and loved you and cared for you. And who was willing to sacrifice for you. And that sacrifice was not in money. He paid a price with his blood. He went to the cross. And he died on the cross. And he died because you deserve death. And he paid the price of redemption to redeem you, to make you part of his family. And then he rose again, showing that life with him is that life. And that he had power enough to pay the debt and still lead us as our Lord. And what he says is, if you confess with your heart, and you believe, or you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that he is Lord and that he has risen from the dead, that you will be given that redemption, that salvation. That is the gospel, right? And this picture of what Boaz did, where he paid the price to marry Ruth, to redeem Ruth and Naomi because of his love for them, even though they were overlooked, is the beautiful picture of the exact same thing that Christ Jesus did for us. We were overlooked. We were left in our sin. But Christ Jesus loved us. But God loved us that he sent his only son to be our redeemer, to be the sacrifice that we needed. And this truth always and forever holds that redemption only comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Redemption only comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is true in our families. 
the redemption in your family comes the exact same way. You may be looking and you say, Justin, you don't know what's going on in my family right now. Justin, you don't know what my family's been through. You don't know what my family members have done. You don't know what my family members are doing. And you're right. I don't know every single thing. But what I do know is the redemption is the same. The possibility for redemption is the same. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the same truth, and it will always be the same truth, that redemption for your family, for your family members, for your brothers and sisters, for your parents, for your in-laws, for your kids, they are, or it is from the same place, Jesus Christ. And so you may be looking and say, well, Justin, what does this mean for me, right? I'm a believer. Well, first, if you aren't a believer, I would encourage you to know this and to see the redemption that you're in need of and see that it comes through Christ Jesus. If you have questions or if you want to talk about the gospel after, I would love to have a conversation with you. But if you're sitting here and you say, well, Justin, I follow Christ Jesus. How can I help in my family? I've told them about Jesus. Awesome. I would encourage you to continue to do so. But one of the things that I think is so incredible throughout this story is when I look at the story of Ruth, I can't imagine this story without the prayers of Naomi. Right? As Naomi is sitting in her house waiting for Ruth to come home from gleaning in the fields, I can't imagine her doing anything else but praying. Praying for Ruth's safety. Praying for their redemption. Right? She sought to pray earnestly for her family. And Paul, as he writes to the Ephesians, to the people of Ephesus, as he talks in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, about the glory and the redemption of Jesus Christ, he follows that immediately up with his prayer for the people of Ephesus. Prayer has incredible power. It has incredible power to lead people to redemption. To lay conviction on their hearts. To put Jesus in their path. I've seen people pray for years, for decades, for family members that others had given up on only to see that the Lord saw their faithfulness and moved in their family members' lives. I've seen that. Personally, I've seen that. And so my encouragement to you this morning is don't give up praying for the redemption in your family. And for those of you who aren't praying for the redemption in your family, man, I'd encourage you to start. Because we've seen it happen over and over in our lives. Now we've seen it happen in, in Scripture. Redemption is possible through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So pray that for your family. Pray that for your family members. Be faithful in that. 
Some days it's going to be easy. Some days it's going to be really difficult. Some days it's going to feel like it may never happen. But think about the faithfulness of Naomi as she prayed for Ruth. Think about the faithfulness of Paul as he prayed for countless churches. And think about the love that Christ Jesus has for you. And then think about the love Christ Jesus has for your family members. And I know that may be hard because there may be some hurt there. You may not want to always pray for your family members because of what's happened in your, your family. I'm not trying to erase that. I'm not trying to say that it's just going to be easy. Right? There was some cost involved in the redemption of Ruth. So it may cost you some things. It may be difficult some days. But Christ is the path to redemption. And the gospel is truth. It is salvation for all. And that's true of your family members. So the, the question I want to leave you with this morning is, who needs prayer in your family right now? Who needs prayer for redemption in your family right now? And I want you to think of their name, right? Uh, don't just leave it there. Think of their name. Who needs prayer in your family right now? Let's pray together.